Welcome to Novus Navigator. Join us for this series of conversations with Chicago local entrepreneurs that have carved their own paths to success. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Novus Navigator series, where we are talking to entrepreneurs and professionals who have sort of found their own paths to success um, uh, separate from the traditional paths to success that mm-hmm. we're sort of accustomed to through school and whatnot. Today, we're here with Brittany Welk, who is the co-founder uh, of Lady Strong Fitness, mm-hmm. formerly known as Midwest Performance Correct. Fitness. Correct, yes. Yep. Um, and, and we're here to learn a little bit about her entrepreneurial journey and sort of how she came to founding this establishment that helps uh, women find their own paths to uh, success through fitness. <laughs> yes, sort of. exactly. Um, and so uh, why don't we start off with a little bit about your backstory, sort of did you grow up always interested in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. sort of how you found your path there? So as a child, I grew up on a farm, so like entrepreneurial, like farmers are entrepreneurs essentially, right? They run their own businesses. So I grew up around running a business in my family. I wouldn't necessarily say that it was ever something I was like, that's what I want to do. But I was around it as a child. When I went to school, I remember uh, to college, I remember telling my dad, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. And he's like, just do business. Like if you just do business, you can do anything. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do business. So of course I did art and graphic design and music and everything other than business for like the first two years. And I'm like, fine, I'm just going to do business and we'll see what happens. So I ended up going into consumer affairs with an emphasis in financial management and a minor in business. And so it wasn't always like on my path, but somehow I stumbled upon it. And after graduating college, I worked in banking, I worked as a business manager at a school. So I worked in finance and business in general right out of college. And then I found my love for fitness in 2012 through my own weight loss journey and just going through um, pieces of my life that took me on a fitness journey. And when I found my love for fitness, I had a trainer at the time. It was actually Marcia was actually my personal trainer. And she kind of grew my love for helping other people. And when I saw how much it helped me, I was like, why can't I do this for other people? Like, I really want to get more into fitness. So I was group training and stuff like that. And then in 2014, I started my own boot camp. So it was like, I, I never really said like, this is what I want to do with my life, but it just happened by chance that that's the path that I fell into. So, yeah. Super cool. You talked a little bit about sort of like the benefits that fitness gave you besides just weight loss. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what those were? Yeah, well, fitness in general releases hormones, right? All of the good hormones, endorphins, dopamine, all of that stuff that really makes you ener- like energized, makes you focus, makes you feel good. So with that comes more passion, more drive, more, um, I would say just focus in general in your day to day and more efficiency, right? A lot of people, you know, our 5 a.m. class here is our most popular class. And it's typically because most people find so much energy after getting their workouts done right away in the morning, they have more clarity and energy throughout their entire day and more focus throughout their entire day. So I feel like fitness does a lot more than just help you lose weight. Um, It really helps you become more efficient in your day to day as well. Gotcha. And so you sort of like found the benefits yourself of of fitness Mm -hmm. and, and they were more than just weight loss. How did you sort of figure out that or how did you come to develop Lady Strong as a way to bring that to others? Yeah. So back in 2014, when I was running my boot camp, Marcia was also running a CrossFit gym um, locally in the same 
area that I was running one too. So we had a business prior to this too. So both of us had a love and a passion for fitness and business in general prior to Lady Strong. Um, in 2016, Marcia sold her gym. Um, I sold mine. We both moved here to Illinois and she, and, and we weren't really thinking about running a business again. That wasn't something we wanted to do at that time. She went into MMA training full time. I started working at Orange Theory for about a year and then I was export to do personal training. And we kind of decided that maybe we'll, we'll give this a try again and see what happens. So we started the 12 week program um, in June of 2016. And after that, we just kind of scratched that itch again. And we were like, maybe that maybe we could make this work, you know? So after the 12 week program was over in August of 2016, we ended up signing a lease a couple doors down from here. And all of the ladies that we were coaching were like, you guys can't quit. You need to keep this going. We want to keep going. And it was like, man, and then we kind of thought, well, there's really no other all-female fitness studios out there right now, even in this area. There are other franchises who do do, you know, women's only fitness, but they're not really in this area. So we're like, let's give it a try. So Midwest Performance was born, and eventually now we're Lady Strong. So it was really... It had a lot to do with the people that we met in that 12-week program and really their passion for us and what we were doing in their lives that really drove us to continue um, opening this, this gym. Got it. Super cool. So in, that, in, in those super early stages mm-hmm. um, with Midwest Performance, mm-hmm. uh, we talk to our students a lot about getting this sort of product fit and mm-hmm. you want to make sure that your consumers really enjoy your product. Yeah. How did you sort of figure out how to deliver on a service that your customers really wanted? Was it a, a long process? Did you guys plan any of it or did it sort of just happen naturally? So fitness is is a little bit different than your typical like product, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can get a, a good workout anywhere. You know, it's really not about the workout that a lot of people think, you know, a lot of fitness entrepreneurs think that if their workouts are just killer and amazing, like that's what's gonna really drive business. And that's not it. For us, it was really finding our community and that sense of empowerment that we drove in, drove home to the people that we met, to the women that we met. It was us wanting them to feel like they belong somewhere and that they had that sense of ownership in the studio and that we genuinely cared about them. And that's what we really saw was the driving factor in our business. It wasn't our workouts. Our workouts are great, don't get me wrong. Like every gym owner is gonna tell you that their workouts are better than the next person's. But at the end of the day, I can do a squat anywhere. I can do a squat at Planet Fitness and I can do a squat here. It's the same, it's the same squat, right? What really drives a fitness business is the experience that you give your members. And that was our primary focus is what kind of experience are we going to give the people that come into these doors and how are we going to continue to grow and scale that experience and not just the workout portion? Got it. So you, you, you figured that out and then you started Midwest Performance. Yeah. How did it sort of evolve into Lady Strong? Did anything change? Was it just a branding move? What was that like? So the evolution from Midwest Performance to Lady Strong was a branding move. It was. Um, when we would ask people, what is Midwest Performance? They'd be like, I don't know, you know, and we would get calls for like car parts store and all this. It was, it was just a bad, if I could give any like young entrepreneur advice is to make sure that when you name your business, it makes total sense for your brand and where you're trying to go. Cause that was one thing. If we could go back and do it again, we would go back and, and already be lady strong in the beginning. Right. Because it, we didn't really have a brand. We didn't really have an awareness. And when people saw our name, they really didn't associate fitness with us. Okay. So now when you hear Lady Strong Fitness, it's point blank period. You know exactly what it is. It's a ladies fitness, right? So it was a purely a branding move for us. 
and it accelerated our business. We rebranded at the beginning of 2019, and it drove our business. It really did. So yeah. super cool. And so now that you're sort of in, in this bigger space, you've got more people you're dealing yeah. with. How do you? continue to bring in clients? Is it mostly word of mouth? Do you do like marketing or promotional mm -hmm. stuff? What's we do a lot of Facebook marketing, okay. a lot of social media marketing. Um, we get a lot of word of mouth, a lot of referrals, a lot of call-ins. Now that we've been here for three years, we're starting to get more of a presence in the community of who we are and what we offer. And our ladies are really great about spreading the word about us too. We do a lot of um, internal, like we like in November we did a check-in for charity. So for example, every time somebody would come into the studio, they could check in to Lady Strong Fitness on Facebook and we would donate 25 cents to a charity and then over the month we would just calculate how many check-ins we got and we got over 500 check-ins in November. When you create check-ins on your face on people's Facebook pages, now you're getting their audiences as well, not just the ones that you're paying for. So we've done stuff like that before to grow brand awareness, um, but we do a lot of marketing on Facebook and, and just in on social media in general. Gotcha. Yeah. Super cool. In terms of running the actual business, how have you seen it change from the early stages to where you're at now? It's kind of interesting that you asked that question because I just had a meeting before you guys came with um, our business consultant. And we're now in the process of looking to hire a CFO. Wow. It's something that at this stage of our business, we, we need. We're growing quickly um, and for me and Marcia, she plays the CEO role, I play the COO role. And for us and our positions where we're at, her, her position is, is really um, casting that vision, right? Where is this business going? Where is the company going? And for me, it's daily operations, it's growing, it's scaling, it's sales, it's leading my team. So, and right now I do the CFO role, that's kind of where I'm at right now, but I've never ran you know, a six-figure, seven-figure business, and that's what we're on the trajectory to do. So we have to bring somebody in here that is going to help us you know, scale that position and scale our business at the same time. So a lot of you know, staffing changes have happened over the years and that's one big one that we're making a move to over the next year or so because if we wanna grow and scale our business, we have to be able to focus on the positions that we're really good at and delegate the other things that we're not, so. Totally, yeah. what was, so when did you get your first employee? Oh geez. Um, Tiffany started for us, so Tiffany has it has been here for since. Actually, cool statistic, like just stat about our staff is all of them were members before they were staff members. No way. Okay. Yeah, so every single person was a member here before they were actually staff. So that really drove the culture and, and community in our studio as well, because when people would come in and realize that the people that were coaching them and helping them at the front desk were actually in their position and have taken a first class before here, it really helps to break the ice and make that connection. So I, I believe it, I wanna say it was um, October, no, November, December of 2016, early 2017, when Tiffany came on. Um, but for the most part, a lot of it was just me and Marcia. You know, we were the ones that were running classes. We were the ones that were running the front desk, making calls, following up with leads. For a long time, it was just her and I. You know, and Tiffany was only teaching a couple classes because we couldn't really afford to have her teaching all of our classes at that time because we weren't really making a lot of money. So we had to really do and wear all of the hats in the business. And as we grew and evolved, we knew that that was one thing we had to reinvest a lot of our money in was staffing yeah. because it's important that you go from being a technician in your business to actually being the, the operator of your business. Um, there's a lot of books you can read out there. Emith is one of them by Michael Gerber. And in that book, it talks all about that, that journey from being a technician in your business and 
to going to working on your business instead of in your business on a daily basis. So fitness businesses are a little bit different when it comes to employees because at the end of the day, you can't be completely out of your fitness business. You just can't. It's just, it's really difficult to operate a business, a fitness studio like that. But you do your, the best that you can to delegate the stuff that you're not good at to your staff and really focus on growing and scaling your business on the back end. So, got it. So, when you like start to hire your first employees, I imagine there's a huge benefit to the fact that they were participants yeah. in the program prior. How do you sort of decide what to delegate and then how do you? you know, keep this culture that you've cultivated as you de you're delegating mm -hmm. these tasks. I think it's important to remember the, the age old saying is, you know, focus on your weaknesses or grow your weaknesses. And for me, it, I'm like, I want to focus on my strengths and delegate my weaknesses. There's no reason I need to spend time trying to be better at something I know I'm not good at already. I would rather delegate that to somebody else who I know is gonna excel at that and focus on the things that I'm really good at, right? Sales is a huge thing that I'm really good at, systems and processes, managing and leading a team. Those are my strengths, right? My weaknesses are creative, marketing, advertising, I'm just not good at that stuff. So those are the things that I delegate a lot of. And then just like small tedious things that I know I could have somebody else do, like creating schedules and doing stuff like that. Like those are things that I have somebody else do because I wanna spend my time learning how to manage my team better, growing my business, checking my numbers, you know, having leadership meetings with my staff. Those are the things that are gonna actually grow and scale my business versus just like, Make, making a front desk schedule, you know? So gotcha. I, as you grow, you have to, and, and it's hard as entrepreneurs because you want to do everything. You want to have a hold on everything. You want to have control of everything. And that's normal early on in your business. But it's important as entrepreneurs for us to understand that we'll never grow and scale our businesses if we don't let some of that stuff go and really focus on driving the business and moving the needle forward. So it's difficult, but it, it's necessary. Sure, yeah. And as you sort of approach that, the scale that you're at now, um, what were some of the growing pains that you experienced? Were there any sort of struggles that, uh, maybe when you like, you had mid Midwest performance, mm -hmm. Um, when you made the move to Lady Strong, you got this huge new space. Did you guys consider getting any investment for it? How did you sort of finance that big scale up? Yeah. So we took on debt when we expanded. We were at a point in our other studio where if I could go back, I would have stayed there another year. Okay. Um, because there's a saying out there, start small and take it all. So you want to stay small and get as much, you know, generate as much revenue in your business as you can. And then when you absolutely have to move, you make the move. We made the move a little bit too early and which is okay. I mean, it wasn't a bad thing. Like we're here now and yeah. we're doing great. But if I could go back, that would have been one thing is I really, we really didn't need to take on that kind of debt at that point in time. And if we would have just waited it out, we would have been able to just use the profit that we were generating over there to, to expand. But instead we just made the move. We took on debt to expand, but it was a good, I mean, it was a good risk that we took. So doing that was scary because when you're, when you're just by yourself and you have no investments and we were so new at that time, there was nobody that would even touch us with a 10 foot pole because we had, you know, maybe one year in business and you can't, you can't decide if a business is profitable or not after one year. And the fitness space is really difficult to find investors for because it is a risky business to be in. Um, so early on, we had to take on a lot of that responsibility. Now that we've been in business for three and a half years and we are profitable and we are doing really well. Now we've got people that are looking at us that are looking to invest 
and grow and scale this business with us. So we're in those conversations now, but prior to this, no, it was like, we just had to take the risks. You know, Marcy and I had to take a lot of personal risks on our own and, and hope that they paid off. You know, we just busted our butts as much as we could and they have paid off. So it's scary early on, but now we're at a point where we've got a product and it's ready to be, to be marketed the way that it should be. So. Gotcha. So very early on in those stages, were you business planning? Were you making financial projections? Because typically, uh, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. make those financial projections because they have to take those to investors and sort yeah. of show them. Because you guys were sort of bootstrapping this mm-hmm. thing, is that something that you guys did? We didn't. Honestly, we didn't early on. We didn't really have a business plan. We didn't have a pitch deck. We didn't have any of that stuff. We just kept growing and and growing and it wasn't until we got connected with the right um, mentors and coaches we've always had coaches all along the way we've always had some kind of coaching or mentoring the entire way of through our business so far and it wasn't until we got connected with those people that they were teaching us those kinds of things that we needed to pay attention to those things you know the company that we lease our equipment from um, re-equipment they the guy that operates that place Clayton bless his heart he's been such an integral part of um planning for our future. They do a lot of projections for us in our business. Um, they've, they've helped us recently with a pitch deck for investors. So now as we're growing and scaling and we are at a point where we are looking for an investment, that's really when we've dug in and really made that business plan and created that pitch deck and got, and got um, financials together and done all of that. But early on we didn't, we were just trying to survive. Yeah. You know, we were just surviving at that point in time, but now that we really are on solid ground, it definitely is important at the stage of our business that we're in right now. Gotcha. And so now that you're at this stage where you're looking at investors and you're looking at outside investment, what are the things that you're finding investors are looking for? Profitability is huge, right? Sustainability is another one because the boutique fitness industry is growing fast. Um, it's growing rapidly. It's a popular industry to be in. There's a lot of money to be made in the boutique fitness space, but it's a lot of people look at it as a very high risk too. It's hard to put a put a price or a valuation on a fitness studio because at the end of the day, members are just are people and people can come and go as they please. So when you look at a package deal like this, you can look that, yeah, we're generating X amount of dollars, you know, a month per year, we have so many members, but at the end of the day, if those members wanna walk out the door, they can. You know, if you sell this place, and the reason that a lot of times what happens with, with fitness studios is their businesses are so built around the owner that if the owner leaves, the people leave with. So it's really important when you get to a stage of needing investors and making that decision that you're at a place in your business where your systems run your business and not your people. Because if you pull your people away from it, your systems are still there and your members will stay because they like the system and not the people. Um, so we, Marcia and I have been very diligent about, you know, we're here, but our staff and is really the face of our business. Our systems are really the face of our business, not us anymore. And when we made that transition early on, it was hard. Our members were like, we don't like these other people. Where are you guys at? You know, but now it's different. But so I think it's important when you are looking for investments like that, that you make sure that your systems are running your business and not people, because that is a huge thing that investors are going to look at. They're going to look at the business in general and can it operate with, without you, right? Less you. And if it can't operate less you, then they're not going to want to be in it because 
if, if you're asking them to help you open 10 other locations, but your one can't run by itself, they're going to look at, well, how am I supposed to open 10 others when this one can't even run without you? Yeah. You know, so that's a huge thing that investors look at, um, plus profitability and just marketability of your brand. Yeah. You know? How did you get around to developing those systems? What were the sort of the most important things about that? So I, I would consider myself a systems expert. It's something that, that's why I play the COO role really well because I'm a very like spreadsheet, like documentation person. And I've documented everything here from the opening to the closing, to how you turn off the alarm, to how you open the door, to how you turn on the lights, how you turn on the music, everything is written down and documented. That way, when I bring a new staff member in, all I have to do is give them the documentation, they review it, they take the quizzes, they do what they need to do, and they're trained. Um, and that's how you want it to be. Your systems and your documentation should train your people too. I shouldn't have to come in here every time I hire a new staff member and, tr and spend two weeks with them training. My systems, my documentation should be training my staff and then if I need to come in and answer questions or, or do things as needed, then I can, but I shouldn't be it shouldn't be make or break me training that person for them to know their role and how to do their job well. Totally. And does that habit of documenting things come from college or career? How do you sort of... Just learning. Yeah. Coaches, mentors, um, you know, the marketing company that we use is Lob Rumor. They, we've been marketing with them for, mm, since we opened, three and a half years. And the CEO of that company, Mike Arce, is a good friend of mine, and he's also a really good mentor and has been a coach of ours. And that was something he taught me early on, was like, you just, as tedious as it is, and as annoying as typing everything out is, you just have to do it. You have to do it because you will thank yourself later. And it took me a while to actually start doing it. I would say June of last year was when I really started documenting everything. And now every time somebody doesn't know how to do something, I'm typing it out, yes. like I'm typing it out. Or the girls are sending me, well, I don't see documentation for this. Can you make a process? Absolutely, I'm making a process. Because I want everything to be so like cut and dry that there's no question that the hamburger is served the same from the front desk to the studio. Consistency is key in a fitness business. Not nobody wants to have a different experience from the front desk to the studio to the to the studio and their workout and back. Right. It should all be the same. Everybody should be giving the same answers, saying the same things, answering the phones the same way, texting the same way, coaching the same way. Everybody should be doing all those things the same because again, systems run your business, not your people. And that's how you do that. I wonder then what do you think, if anything, did you take from your college or, or post-grad experience? I would say the financial side of things. Okay. You know, a lot of, it, a lot of it came from the financial and the business piece too. You know, I'm just very business-minded and very numbers-driven. I'm a numbers-driven person. I would say a lot of that came from college. But I honestly can't say that, you know, while I took business classes and, and learned small business stuff in college, a lot of the stuff that I know now, I've just learned by listening, by reading, by surrounding myself and networking with people. For example, I'm hosting a networking event for gym owners, a free networking event in two weeks here at the studio. And I just invited like local gym owners to come in because I feel like it's important to surround yourself with people who are doing the same thing that you are and bounce ideas off of each other and network with each other and discuss the struggles and the wins that you're having in your studios. And there's really no, 
networking group like that for gym owners locally here. And so I wanted to start one and I feel like that's where I learn a lot is learning from other people and learning from people that are doing it better than me. I always want to surround myself with people who are doing things better than I am because it will drive me to want to do better. So while college was great, Everything that I've learned about the fitness business in general and how to operate my business now has come just from learning and reading and and getting mentors and coaches and just being a sponge, really. Gotcha. So if you could maybe go back in time and tell Mm -hmm. yourself your your post or pre-college self Mm -hmm. something, what what advice would you give yourself? Um, You know what? I I wouldn't have gone to school. Mm -hmm. Um, I found my love for fitness early and if I would have known then what I know now that all I had to do is, you know, surround myself with great people and just be a sponge and learn and read and listen and, and do all of those things that I'm doing now, I don't think I would have gone to school, you know, because at the end of the day, I've taught myself everything that I needed to know about a fitness business up until this point. And I could have done that prior to that too. So I think the, the issue is, is that there's so many there's just a status quo out there about going to college and being in school and that's what you need to do because that's the American way is to go to school, get a good job, be educated and, and work for somebody else. For me, I don't do well working for other people. I do better working for myself and I don't think that it should have to be that way. I don't think that kids should have to follow the status quo if they feel that they have a natural ability to be an entrepreneur. It's not necessary. If you can just read and listen and connect with people, you'll you'll learn more than you would going to school. Mm -hmm. Totally. So now that we're at this point with Ladies Strong and you guys are on the verge of expansion or scaling, mm-hmm. um, what does a vision look like? And you said Marcia typically is a, the CEO-minded yeah. vision mm-hmm. person. What does that look like? Our vision really is to, we will have another location by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. It's the, the goal would be to open our second location early in 2021, um, start planning for it the fourth quarter of this year. But our vision really is to get an investor, somebody who wants to come in. And when I talk about investor, I'm talking for a strategic partner. I don't want somebody to, you know, we, we don't want somebody coming in and just being like, you know, here's, you know, X amount of dollars, like now you can make me money. We want somebody who's gonna come in who's gonna bring something to the table for us and help us really grow and scale this business and who's like-minded, who understands the industry. And we would, we want 10 locations in the next five years. I mean, that's a goal for us is to have 10 plus locations over in the next five years in the Midwest. Um, so that's where we're at. But we're, we're in search of that strategic partner. That's what we want. And we've had a couple conversations with people that are going well. But it's important for us to just find the right person and then just grow and scale. Totally. And you've talked about mentors being a a really important part Mm -hmm. of that, that growing part of Lady Strong. Uh, How do you find mentors? How do you connect with them? What do you look for in mentors? Yeah. I look for, you know, as far as connecting, it's just research. You just research people. You know, we happen to stumble upon Mike with the marketing company and he's been an amazing um, mentor and coach and friend ever since then. But he also connected us with another mentor we had, Marcus Gersey, um, who's really big in the CrossFit space. And he, so Mike connected us to him. So it's like, you're just getting connected with the people in your circle. And it just takes one person to connect you with other people. Um, so I think it's just making the connections and also finding somebody that you feel like you can trust. Finding somebody who's doing better than you are in the, in the space, right? 
Um, Mike's company strictly markets for fitness studios only. So he has a lot of connections in this industry and he knows a lot about this industry. So he was a great coach. Marcus, same thing, has coached CrossFit gyms for several years and is in the fitness space and also grew and expanded his own fitness business. So that was another thing. You want to find people that are in your space that are doing it better than you and just follow them. Just be a sponge around them. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to you know, raise your hand and say, hey, I'm struggling. Um, vulnerability is a huge part early on in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Understanding that you don't know everything and you have to humble yourself a lot because we have made a lot of mistakes that have cost us a lot of money, mm-hmm. a lot of time, a lot of energy. There's been a lot of times where we've wanted to quit, but you just have to be vulnerable and willing to learn and humble yourself and know that you don't know everything yeah. and you've got to go out and find people who are doing it better than you are and just learn from them. Totally. Yeah, no, entrepreneurship is such a struggle. How do you sort of... I know a lot of entrepreneurs deal with burnout. Mm -hmm. Is that something you've experienced? How do you avoid it? You know, early on, it got tough for a while. When we were here, you know, I was, when we were in the other studio, we were sleeping on the floor in between the the 6 a.m. class and the 9 a.m. class. And, you know, we're commuting 40 minutes from Bolingbrook here every day, you know, eating dollar burritos at Taco Bell because we had no money. Like, there was a lot of times where it was like, what are we doing and why are we doing this? And truthfully speaking, between Marcy and I, we kept each other going, but our, our members really kept us going. They really just were the reason that we just kept pushing no matter where we were at in life. There were so many times where we were like crying and yelling and like, what are we doing? This was just stupid. Why did we do this? But those are the moments, and I'll never forget, you know, Mike told us that there were times you know where we would be we had a coaching call with him one time and marcia and i had been fighting you know we're we're life partners and we're business partners at the same time and i was crying and she was frustrated and he was on zoom on the zoom call and we figured it all out but he was like these are the moments that you're going to look back on when you do get to where you want to go and you're going to be thankful for Mm -hmm. because they're the moments that really decide your your ability to fight through adversity totally. and to just and to rise above so you're gonna struggle and you just have to lean on the people that are around you and know that if you just keep fighting and putting one foot in front of the other you will make it most people quit before they even actually make an effort because it's just too hard and so if you can go into entrepreneurship with a mindset that this is gonna suck for a while but it's not gonna be forever then, then you'll, you'll make it, you know? And the entrepreneurial journey goes like this, yeah. right? It's like one day you're making all the money and the next day you're losing all the money. And the next day you've got great employees, the next day you're firing people. So it's always up and down. And if you can go into it knowing that those are the things that are gonna happen, then you'll make it. You're still gonna struggle, but you'll make it knowing that, okay, this is normal, this is gonna happen, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. When you hit those struggle points, mm-hmm. uh, how do you sort of evaluate if it, you know, is it ever actually a point where you should stop and maybe reevaluate and pivot i think there are going to be points in time for for some people that that is that is a realistic thing Mm -hmm. is that okay is this actually working um and i think that that's something you again you need coaches and mentors for you need people in your corner like we have a business consultant that you know helps us with our finances and stuff like that and looking at a cfo and you've got to find people around you that can take an you know an uh, objective look at your business and be like okay 
this it's time to either you guys either need to do this or you need to move on you know so i think it's important again to have other people around you because as entrepreneurs you'll just keep going yeah. you'll keep going and going and going and spending money and borrowing money until you can't anymore and you'll put yourself in a crappy position so it's important again to surround yourself with people who are on the outside of the box who can give you a really um, objective view of like okay guys like it's time to quit or no you guys just got to keep going you got to keep pushing so you got to have you've got to have a team you've got to have good people around you totally and you guys sort of have taken an interesting route in finding a business consultant mm-hmm. to help help you along how did you guys make that decision did you guys consider just bringing another co-founder on what was that like it was really interesting that you asked that question because um, when we expanded our studio, we took on debt. And at the time, it was, you know, as small business owners, it's very difficult to find funding. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't go SBA because technically, according to them, we discriminate because we SBA own is. a small business association. Okay. So, like, um, it's a government place that you can go, like a small business could go and get funding from okay. at a low interest rate. Mm-hmm. And we, they, we don't qualify because according to their standards, we discriminate because we only serve women and not men. So we couldn't go to them to get funding to expand. So you're, a lot of small businesses are forced to go to almost these predatory lenders who charge you, you know, 70, 80% interest mm-hmm. on a loan and literally drown you. And so that was the direction that we had to go. We had no choice. And after that happened, I had um, been searching for places to um, refinance all of our debt into one loan. And there was one day that I was like this close to doing it. I was so close and we were so stressed because the payments were so high and we're like, how are we gonna do this? And I was like this close and I thought we had it. And then I got a phone call like 30 minutes later that they denied us and I was done. That was my point of like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I was crying, called my mom, like mom, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I'm a very faithful person. Um, I am a, I'm a Christian, I, I have a lot of faith and I'm like, I just need some Jesus. So I went to see my pastor and I'm crying and I'm like, I don't know. And I said, you know, it's hard because Marcia would always tell me, like, you shouldn't worry, you should have faith, and you shouldn't be scared. And so I'm like, is it okay for me to be scared? I'm talking to my parents. I'm like, is it okay for me to be scared? I'm scared, blah, blah. And anyways, I felt better after I left, but then he called me, and he's like, you know what, Brittany? Because I told him the whole situation, and he's like, I actually might be able to help you. And I was like, okay. He's like, I have this friend that works at a bank. Give him a call. His name is Maurice. I'll never forget the guy's name. And I said, okay. So I called Maurice, and I told him my situation. He's like, well, I can't help you, but I think I might have somebody who can. So he then put me in contact with this guy named Craig, who was a president of like a business lending area at a bank, at a local bank in Elmhurst. And he called me and he's like, well, you guys are too small, you're too new, I don't know if I can help you, but I've got this guy named Clay. And he does business consulting for small businesses. He was in banking for a long time, and I think that he might be able to help you. And lo and behold, I met Clay, and three years later, he's still here. And he just really has helped guide us just financially making decisions and really cleaning up our balance sheet and really cleaning up our cash flow on a month-to-month basis. And he's helped us get rid of a lot of debt that we had. Um, and he's really gotten us on the straight and narrow. So, and I'll, I'll never let that man go ever. He's like been a savior. So it's, again, I'm not great at finances. It's not like I know about it, but I'm not great at it. So I found somebody who was good at it, who I knew could straighten out our business and who could give us an an, outsider's perspective of what we needed to do and bring us back to reality. That's exactly what he did. So you've got to connect yourself with people. You can't always think that you're going to know everything or be able to do everything. It's important to be like, okay, I'm not good at this. It goes back to delegation. I'm not good at this. I've got to find somebody who is. Yeah. Totally. 
So one thing that I really admire about Lady Strong and your guys' sort of journey is that when you guys started small, you literally like listened to your customers who were telling you you can't stop, you have, mm -hmm. to, you have to sort of move forward in this. Um, if you could give some sort of advice to students who are looking at their own customers as it relates to listening to their customers, mm -hmm. what would that sort of be? I believe that, you know, there's the old saying that customers always write, and I understand that that's true, but we do a lot of customer surveys around here. We ask a lot of questions of our members. We want their feedback. We want to know what they want to see, what they like, what they don't like. Because at the end of the day, it goes back to what I talked about earlier is that customer experience. It drives your business. That is what is going to bring people in your door is your customer experience, your member experience. What are you making these people feel when they come in here? And how are you supposed to make that any better if you don't listen to your people? You know, sometimes you're going to get, you know, feedback and you're like, oh, definitely not doing that we've had it i'm like yeah. no i'm not doing that but thanks yeah. but then you're also going to get feedback that's like that's a really good idea like i never thought about doing that or you make adjustments in your processes or you make adjustments with your team um you put emphasis on certain things that people really like and you take away things that people may not necessarily be excited about so they are literally the driver of your business and you have to look at them as the people as the thermometer you know, take their temperature every once in a while and figure out, you know, we have a system, um, it's called FitGrid that we use and we do um, client, uh, client outreach on there and it will generate like 30 people a day that we outreach to for like surveys, like on a scale of one to 10, how is things going, blah, blah. It's just asking them questions and we send them the emails of like, okay, how are you feeling on a scale of one to 10? What would you like to see differently? What do you like? What don't you like? And we do that on a daily basis because it's important to listen to your customers. They're the ones that ultimately pay your bills, number one. And number two, who help you create a better business. Yeah, totally. it's important. Mission-wise, I think uh, it, it's super important that you guys have this lady-strong mission here mm -hmm. where you're focused you know, strictly on women and helping them with their mm -hmm. fitness goals. How did you find the mission and how would you suggest others find their own mission? I think for us, it just came again from listening to our customers. You know, after all the meetings that I've done with members and after all the stuff that, you know, we've heard and seen, the women that come in here just need a place to belong. They just need somebody to tell them that they're worth something and that we're here to make sure that they find what they're worth. Um, you know, the wall says empowering women. We do it every day because there's a lot of women who come in here just lost. They've tried everything. They've tried every diet under the sun. They've tried every gym under the sun. And they just need somebody to tell them how to do it and do it the right way so they can do it for the rest of their life. And it came again from just listening to our people and what they really needed. And what our women need is fitness. They need nutrition, but they also need accountability and mindset help and mindset work. Because a lot of them come in here with a mindset that they're just failures. They failed at everything. What makes us any different? Sure. And we have to shift the narrative for them in their head and teach them that, no, it's not over. You just have to do it the right way. There's not a lot of you know, fitness places and health places out there that are doing it the right way. A lot of people are going for the quick fix or the workout that just absolutely smashes you and, and but they're not teaching you about nutrition. They're not teaching you how to shift your mindset. They're not teaching you how to shift that internal narrative, that internal story that you continually tell yourself when you look in the, in the mirror and you're disappointed with what you see, you know? So we really work on, on that a lot around here. Totally. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing mm -hmm. your story. I, for one, am very inspired by your mission thank you. here. And I think the students that are listening have a ton to learn from your story and mm -hmm. sort of 
your growth from that that small studio to this huge, beautiful space yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we're interested in keeping up with your story and yeah. your growth, where can we follow? You? So you can find the Lady Strong Fitness on Instagram. It's Lady Strong um, underscore Fitness on Instagram on Facebook or Lady Strong Fitness. Um, our website is ladystrongfitness.com. Um, for me, uh, I do a lot of, I'm moving more into the um, systems and processes coaching um, perspective. Um, I'm taking what I've learned and passing that on to other people. So if you want to follow me, um, you can find me at Brittany Welk on Instagram, on Facebook as well. If you want to book a call with me, I have a calendar link on my Instagram. You can book a 30 minute um, call with me. If you want to talk about your business and in any way I can help, I'm happy to do so. so. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you, Brittany. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it.